Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started, because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Hello, and welcome to Bringing Intimacy Back, where intimacy is real. My name is Dr. Kelly Boucher, and I'm the co-host of Bringing Intimacy Back. Hello to the host, Dr. April Brown. Good to see you. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm here in Michigan, got my Michigan shirt on, and I'm trying to stay warm. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm in hot Atlanta, trying to stay cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I just know that you're right now, you're working on your um, recent book installment on improving intimacy with yourself, spirit, and spouse. How's that going? That is going good. And that will be coming out um, July 1st. And we're looking so forward to that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So, um, so good to see you again. I just love being a part of this with you, Dr. April. And I look forward to our show today with Len Sturdivant and talking about the pursuit of vertical intimacy. But as we begin, I just want to remind our listeners that this month, our charity is the Trevor Project. And the Trevor Project supports LGBTQ plus youth, and it helps prevent their suicide. And by preventing LGBTQ suicide, they do this through crisis prevention and the Trevor Lifeline. So for those of you that want to uh, support that, we really encourage you. This is not only is it Pride Month, but this is an opportunity to help the youth in America and those specifically from that population. They have a safe and uplifting online community environments, and also they have a place called Trevor Space, so please donate, as we have as well. So today we're going to um, invite Len Sturdivant into our room and into our podcast, and we're so looking forward to hearing what Len has to say about vertical intimacy. I'm so curious. I understand. I know, yes. It took me a long time to learn the difference between horizontal and vertical, <laughs> vertical as a child. Yes. it really did it really did so anyway uh the very first thing that I want to do is um I can I can't see Len oh there you are Len it was me so Len hey while we begin we just always ask our guest how do you define intimacy how do I define intimacy that is the intra-communication between two people who love each other. Whereas I am just as concerned about the things that are important to you as you are concerned about the things that are important to me in intimately. So that's, uh, that's that reciprocity that you're talking about. We look forward to digging in a little bit, but let me introduce a little bit about you and then you're going to fill in the gaps, okay? So, uh, Len Sturdivant has his master's in psychology from NC Central uh, University, has many, many hours in his doctoral uh, training as a marriage and family therapist, 
there at Virginia Tech, and also does uh, workshops, conferences on relationships, and he's held many panel discussions on marriages and divorce. In fact, he is an advocate uh, towards divorce interventions, and we look forward to hearing a little bit about what you do as well. So you come to us with over a decade experience in marriage and family counseling. Mm -hmm. So as we begin now, um, what is one of the key things, um, Len, that uh, one of the key things that you tell couples when they first come to you, the very first session, you're like, this is what I want them to know. You know how we all have those the things that we say that first session? What's yeah. one of your key points that you have to get, get in there? Well, it, it depends on what they present with. If it's communications, do I need to put out a fire? Is it external influences in the relationship so depending on what they what they present so but the basic theme is for the couple to kind of turn towards each other and let's let's eliminate all of the external variables that can impact the relationship that's coming in between you and and what I find with most couples is that they are repeating an unconscious pattern of intergenerational dysfunction that comes down from both sides and they get with each other and they try to replicate that dysfunction. And in doing so, it causes havoc because I just had a couple this morning and and one of the things I said to them once they presented this pattern is one of the things is I need for both of you to leave home. So uh, I, one of the things I always check is sibling position. Sibling position yes. is massively important when you're talking about two people trying to become intimate. So it was good. I always like for sibling positions to be staggered. So she right. was firstborn and he's a middle child. That's great. Great. So it, the problems seem to manifest when it's baby, baby, which is the worst, middle, middle, two firstborn, uh, firstborn, firstborn. And the only child is kind of, we don't really know what the only child is. So uh, <laughs> I haven't had your only child. <laughs> interesting. So, uh, but, but once, once I see where the sibling position is, if it's, as long as there's no rank conflict or sex conflict, it's usually because it's staggered. Mm. So mm-hmm. she grew up big ball and shot calling. She had brothers and sisters. She's, she's used to doing this right here, right? And she bought that energy into the marriage and he wasn't having it. Now he was a middle child, but you know, all that big ball and shot calling, he just wasn't having it. And so once I helped them to realize the role, you know, you get with somebody who makes you, I don't have to change my position. So if I get with, I'm attracted to you because I can play my role. So if I'm big ball and shot call, I'll pick a woman that'll let me big ball and shot call. That way, mm-hmm. everything stays consistent because my brain, our brain, your brain, everybody's brain hates change. In, in any little slight variation, it always comes back to center, regression towards the mean. So it's, it's important to, to know that when, when, when these two couples come together, you know, to kind of, they're coming out of a meshment basically most right. you know some enmeshment some 
some fusion. And once we can sever the ties with the family, then we can kind of form a new corporation because we're merging corporations. I'm bringing in my corporation, you're bringing in your corporation, but we don't want the intergenerational dysfunction. So we kind of look at how they came through all of this dysfunction and, and what are we going to do different? Because we don't want to repeat the patterns that we came from. So I, I look for civic position. I, I look for the current problem. And, and usually the current problem is some mix of the past trying to come into the current. And so once we, and this, this is why I do two-hour sessions with couples. Oh, right. Two-hour session. Yeah. You have to. You have to. We have three people trying to talk. And, mm-hmm. and I swore, I said, I would never do this. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the end of our 50-minute hour. Time's uh, we'll up. pick back up here next week. I don't do that ever, ever, never. I hated doing it in my internship process. And I said, I would never do it to a couple. So two hours and 20%, this is strange, 20% of my couples go past the two hours. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So it's wow. a lot of stuff. The first 50 minutes, you, you're, 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 you're ascending. And then once you hit cruising altitude, here's where we get the work done up here. Mm-hmm. That's then, when you can take your seatbelt off on a plane. We're at 10,000 feet <laughs> yes, exactly. That's Time that's to walk the, around and get this done. You are free to move about the cabin. And that's right why on. I want to get them up here. And so we can get the work done. And with about a half hour left, I start the descent. You know, it's just really smooth, kind of smooth landing and kind of tie up loose ends and zip everybody up before I let them go. So uh, it's really interesting uh, how couples manifest and it's just looking at how their intimacy is crafted because I'm, 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 I'm very psychodynamic and I'm very system, family systems oriented. So I got this beautiful merge between, mm-hmm. between both systems. And so I can see the family, I can see the past, I can see the abstractions with the psychodynamic connections. It's just do you, really do you have them do genograms? Uh, if necessary, I got the software and all that stuff. So oh, wow. um, I kind of do the genogram in my head. So if I had a schizophrenic uncle that was, you know, my mom had a schizophrenic brother and I'm trying to figure sure. out why my child is acting this way. I'll kind of say, Me. well, you, know, you got this in your background. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, it's, it's in your family. And okay. so- that makes sense. You know what, Len? Uh, you talked about intergenerational dysfunction. I'd like you to dig a little bit deeper in that because I think you're really onto something. A lot of times people focus on individual, um, like individuals conflict just themselves growing up, but not marrying the two together. You're merging, like you said, a corporation. So can you define intergenerational trauma for those that may have just missed that at the beginning? so that we can delve deeper into this. Intergenerational dysfunction is usually results from some type of trauma, some type of cycle and or pattern that, that, that keeps coming down each generation. You know, so I come from a family of alcoholics. My great grandfather was an alcoholic. My aunt was an alcoholic. I had two, several cousins that were alcoholic. So, so all of this intergenerational dysfunction and alcohol just keeps coming down until somebody decides to fall on the sword and mm-hmm. put an end to all this intergenerational dysfunction. It could be violence. 
It could be alcohol. It could be molestation, the incest, mm -hmm. all of those dysfunctions that come down that go unaddressed. Problem with it going unaddressed is that the child of those parents will, be, will become the burden bearer of those secrets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I have couples come in all the time and say, well, I don't know where she got that from. She's never seen me do that. I, I, I couldn't, you know. And so here's where we whip out the genogram. Says, okay, well, mm -hmm. let's go up the genogram yeah. and see where it came from. Say, so, aha, you had a auntie that was put in in a sane asylum because she had this alcohol problem. And yeah, that was the aunt that nobody ever talked about. And so, so as you know, it's like this secret is encompassed within the intergenerational dysfunction and secrets have to be talked about. You'll hear people say, oh, it's a generational curse. We just curse with alcohol. I'm like, okay, all right. So I'll use, the, I'll use your language. But <laughs> it's usually a cycle or a pattern that goes unaddressed and the needs aren't met. And so it starts to manifest because if we don't talk about it as parents, our children mm -hmm. inherits that energy. And until we talk about it, and I, I see it's, it's funny, this is why I like having a whole family in the room. Right. Because inevitably, the burden bearer of the secret always, I've always seen this, the burden bearer of the secret always gives up, this is a bunch of BS, I'm, I'm getting out of here, this, this is a little too hot for me to handle. So, and I always let them like, no, no, let them go. Because now we're getting into the intergenerational secrets. And so mm -hmm. it's going to open it up and because everybody's exposed to it, you can see it for the first time. And Scripture that, does talk about generational uh, trauma as well. And it says that the sins will be visited upon the children. But also scripture talks about from a spiritual standpoint that we can overcome these generational curses. And you can actually be uh, a part of change in your entire family moving forward from how you handle this and then also how your children observe you handling it. It's okay. not to say we won't have conflict, right? Right. Yeah, you have to model. See, once once you once you decide to do something about it, it is incumbent upon you to to see it all the way through. So let, right. let's let's talk about those things, and it's usually shrouded in secrets. There are no secrets in families. It's only a conspiracy of silence. And so mm -hmm. this is when, when you start to address the secrets in the family, those things that those that you can't put your hands on it. It's, 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 it's like a it's like you're fighting a ghost. But that secret is so powerful. It has so much energy in that secret. It, it, you know, you, you're swinging at ghosts that you can't hit, but I can hit the person in front of me. And so I'm so the secret kind of goes back and forth and my triggers are going to hit your triggers and those secrets are going to come out. Inevitably, um, those two have to discover what it is that's, you know, when I hear this, you know, uh, we, we're having problems communicating. Very few couples have problems communicating. The sender says something to the receiver that they don't want to hear about themselves. Right. So what my job is to do is to help you to hear <laughs> what the what what it is that's being said about you so that you can kind of begin to look into you know some self introspection and begin to the process of you know because you you never you you never spend time with the children you're always away you never participate in the second shift when we come home 
you come home, flop on the couch, have a beer, and you know, I, I put in 40 hours too. Well, you know, I saw my dad do that, and you know, and mom fixed everything. I said, well, yeah, that was back in 1940 when women didn't have education and jobs. Well, so that variable has changed a little bit. So for a lot of husbands, I have to get them to participate in second shift. But they oh, wow. up patriarchy. Patriarchy was the rule when he grew up. So you know, mom took care of everything and dad bought the money home. Mom handled the bills. He'd give her the check and he'd kind of flop on, <laughs> flop on the couch. <laughs> so. And that really, uh, what I have heard from this first part of our time together so far is that uh, vertical intimacy has a lot to do with communication. No surprise, correct? No surprise. No surprise. Yeah. I, I like to break vertical intimacy down five love languages are a perfect example of vertical intimacy. Horizontal intimacy is easy. Yeah. Ever since sex got easier, love got harder to find. So, so how well do we get along on our feet? Because that's where the party's at. Sex is 20%. If, if that much of any relationship, your relationship isn't going to thrive on 20%. So how well do we get along on our feet? How well do we communicate? How well can we establish the reciprocity between us? Especially if I come from a single parent home or I never have the prototype in my mind to, you know, my my father wasn't in the house. So you're asking things of me that I've never seen. And, And I rely on my peer group and TV. Yeah, for that information, right? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, Len, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to dig a little bit deeper with you and your knowledge and your toolbox there on how vertical vertical intimacy impacts romantic relationships. So here we're going into our very first break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can get all your favorite sports, movies and shows together. So you can watch new episodes of your favorite reality shows live or binge old episodes on demand. Either way, get ready for some drama. And the best part? DirecTV Stream has no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Back with you. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. 
Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Back show. My name is Dr. Kelly, and I'm here with the host of the show, Dr. April, and our guest, Len Sturdivant, as we're talking about vertical intimacy. So now, Len, we'd like to go a little bit deeper into what can vertical intimacy bring to a romantic relationship? That's 80% of the relationship. This is where you're going to spend most of your time developing the relationship since sex is only 20%. So in the, I think first off is you have to become conscious of the fact that vertical intimacy is a real thing because everybody, I mean, the sex is easy. It's how well do we get along on our feet? How well do we make decisions together? How well do we plan? Is there reciprocity in the relationship? So when I hear the communication problems, one of the things I I try to look at is the breakdown of why wasn't reciprocity a part of the relationship? Because if I do it for you, most people respond in kind. I do it for you. You do it back for me. We have this beautiful rhythm going to the point where I I don't even have to tell you that my tiny tires on the car or I, I need something done. You know, one of the services of vertical intimacy is time, touch, affirmation, gifts, and service. So those become the currency of reciprocity. And, and we just go about establishing, you know, what is, what is my love language? And so I usually have couples to take the uh, love language assessment and to, to discover what is it about them that the other one doesn't know once they complete the assessment i have them to switch papers and that they do what the other person likes so if my if my uh love language is services i think services is the hardest one my love language is services then if it's my wife then um i'll go out and buy her set of tires i'll borrow a car one day and go out and you know, get her tires and get the car cleaned and get it tuned up and, and bring it back into the garage. You don't have to thank me. But upon her noticing that, then she's going to want to give me something of what I want. But, uh, I, yeah. So that's to infer that she, um, her love language is acts of service. Right. So knowing what your significant other and your spouse's love language is, because if you're trying to show with acts of service and they acts of service is number five for them. And this is a free, this is free, uh, the five love languages.com. That's a free assessment that you can actually get your results and then go through those. So you have both couples, each individual will take those and then you have them swap their papers out. Mm-hmm. I need That's to know what your love language is. And so it's like, Oh, well, I didn't know she likes gifts. Oh, okay. You know. Oh, no wonder I got in the yeah. dog house. <laughs> oh, I, so, what? And if it's yeah. gifts and words are four and five and you don't give a card or a gift on any holiday, that's a doghouse too. That's a really big doghouse, especially if you don't remember my birthday, you don't remember my mama's birthday. You <laughs> Yes. Len, Len, I was wondering, um, as you were talking and we we're talking about reciprocity, what stops people from that reciprocity? Is it that they're not, and you've mentioned before about being unconscious in the consciousness. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. 
It does. Usually what stops reciprocity is age regression. So when couples go into conflict, when they go into parallel escalation, when they start both going up, the age goes down. It mm. goes down to the tra- where I experienced the greatest trauma. So if I experienced trauma at 13, I'm going back to that age. Only this time, I'm going to defend myself vigorously. You better believe it. <laughs> yes. I Yes. I like how you put that because I call it flooding, but I like how you put it that they go back to those ages of trauma. Yeah, I see couples age regress right in front of me. Well, you never yeah. come home. Well, you ain't, you don't like it when I am home. And, then, and they just, you just see this parallel escalation. And it's a cycle pattern. They hit the top of the cycle. They come right back down. They rest. They hit a tree. You hit a trigger. I hit a trigger. We hit triggers. We go all the way up. And then we just keep this going. So, Len, um, has age regression been coined? Has that term been coined yet? Or is that yours? Because I haven't heard of that. I've heard of biological age of trauma, flooding, but. Age regression is kind of like from some of the inner child work I do. Okay. So I I know that once, once I get triggered and see, and I try to get my adults, this I am, this synonym for in adult mode. So if I'm in adult mode, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's hard for me to, you know, it's, it's hard for me. It should be hard for me to switch. But when my adult panics, my child steps in. How old is your child, Len? I'm 14. Oh, my God. I'm 14 about that. seven. You're seven? <laughs> How old are you, Dr. April? <laughs> I think I'm sometimes maybe five. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm 14 and all at, all at that. So, yeah. yeah, that I like that. I, A, In adult mode. Right. So if, if as long as my adult doesn't get shaken, so so uh, IFS talks about being um, led, you know, adult led, you, you lead all the little personalities in your mind. So if, if I'm self-led, then all the other personalities kind of calm down. But if I panic, if I have anxiety, see, your, your child self is your defender, especially if you didn't mm-hmm. grow up with a defender. Your child self, mm. your survivor. Okay, so if the situation, you know, my adult goes into some type of anxiety, I'll go into my child self. I and, feel like I'm in therapy. I'm loving this. <laughs> I needed this today. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Len. I'm in Michigan. Let me just tell you, I'm in Michigan right now, where I grew up, and I haven't really been back since, you know, for quite some time, other than a vacation. And I have been apprehensive thinking, am I going to be 14 all the time now? <laughs> Are you near your parents? No, uh, they're in heaven. But uh, at least one of them I know is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but back to this. No, I'm not near my parents. <laughs> but I'm near where we grew up. So, yeah. Ah, okay. Because usually when kids go home, mm-hmm. they switch into the child self. Oh, it's yeah. Really easy. Mm. So, so yep. as soon as you get in the house, yeah, I, I need you to go out there and cut that grass, and I need for you to go to the store and pick up something. I'm like, wait, thirty-seven years old. What? Why, why, why am I picking? You know, why am I cutting grass? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yes. you know, it isn't until you know, mom, you you need to hire somebody to cut grass, or we'll get somebody to come by and cut the grass. I'm not doing that anymore because when you come home, mom expects everybody to fall into their role. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but. 
Right, um, and you have hard, a hard time setting boundaries when you feel yeah, like you're really a kid. Because you don't want to disappoint. Right. Children deify their parents. You, right. you can't not do it. So when you go home and it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, whatever that role you played growing, growing up, you go right back in and you just, as soon as you walk in the door, you just come right at that. Come like out a hat. Like changing hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about a little bit more about those roles and how they shift when we come back from our next break. If you are listening to this commercial, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have stress. You may need a therapist. How do you find a therapist? Oh, you go to your phone book. Wait, what's that? Go to the World Wide Web. You type in therapist near me. And then you find a list of acronyms. LMHC, LPC, NCC. (sighs) How on earth do I understand this and navigate this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in helping people that struggle with anxiety, stress, burnout, grief, depression, compassion, fatigue, sleep issues, body image issues. You can have help today. DrKellyBoucher.com Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Back show where intimacy is real. I'm here with Dr. April and Len Sturdivant who is a marriage and family expert and relationship uh, guru at this point. I'm like learning so much. Len, we're going to delve a little bit deeper on how that child self that sometimes surfaces in our vertical relationships. And and, and I think about vertical in here, I'm five <laughs> foot tall. And so I, I like, I think I was like, I've been five foot tall since the fifth grade, never grew a single inch. But when we talk about vertical intimacy, and when we revert to our child self, how could that possibly be? You can't, uh, you know, you can't have intimacy without having somebody look inside you that into me, you see. So what would you say to our audience and those that are listening on how they can delve deeper into a deeper relationship with themselves and the person that they're having a relationship with in this vertical intimacy? Well, that when I, when I, if I'm with my loved one and, and we, <laughs> we are attracted to people who remind us of the parent we had the hardest time with mm-hmm. because they vibrate on the same frequency. You could be in a room full of a hundred people and you will dial in on that one person. It's like, that's her. <laughs> And you will be drawn towards each other and this, you know, and and you hear people say it all the time. I feel like I've known you all my life. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) You vibrate at the exact same frequency as my mom or my dad. That's not gender specific. I could be attracted to a woman that reminds me of my dad. So, (laughs) So we're drawn to each other with your brain is attempting to complete the past. There's a part of your memory that has absolutely no sense of time. Two years ago, 20 years ago, don't matter. Mm. Brain is looking for the moment to reconcile that pain. And so we are attracted to people who vibrate at that level so that we can complete the past. 
it's natural. If you were to look at my last two exes, they were cookie cutters of one another. They were just like my mom. Wow. That you need was, to find somebody like your dad. <laughs> well, that, that's even scarier. So, no. <laughs> I, I tell people, you know, say, well, I don't, don't want to date my mom. Well, how do I, I don't want to do that. I say, well, how do you love yourself? Mm-hmm. So here, here's, where, here's where we start to go deep. I never thought about loving myself. Right. I've been distracted from myself. So if I grew up, and if there's enough brothers and sisters in the house, one was a caretaker, one was a superstar, one was a scapegoat, one was a, uh, one was angry, one was rebellious, one was a mascot, one was a comedian, one was highly religious. So if we got enough kids, yeah. these kids are going to fall into roles that keep mom and dad together. Mm-hmm. The, the, the message the family sends to me, if I'm a superstar, is we like you as a superstar. But that's, that's contradictory because my authentic self is beside myself. But I only get love when I'm a superstar. So I, I go off to college and I get all kinds of football scholarships and deans, you know, full rides and all this stuff. And the, and the interviewer says, how do you feel? Uh, well, my family likes it. <laughs> well, well, what about you? I'm, I'm, I'm just fulfilling my role. I, I, don't, I don't feel anything. So no. in the meantime, his, he's beside himself. The authentic him comes out, but nobody likes the authentic self. We, we don't like you when you're, you're being... Your authentic self, we don't want that. Wow, what message does that send? Oh, yeah. yeah, well, we only like you when you can play. See, all of those roles that I mentioned, those are false selves. That's mm-hmm. a false self. That's, that's not me. That's what my family wanted me to be. So when I ask the question, how do you love yourself? You don't know who self is. You can't, you don't really love the false self. You love the authentic self. And so what I help to do is to kind of bring that authentic self out and introduce you to this person for the first time that nobody really liked. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have uh, guests that uh, enter information in or questions into the chat boxes and or call in. And I have a question from an audience member, um, Evelyn, who wants to know more about the systems approach that you're talking about. The systems approach is kind of like if you can imagine a mobile. You ever seen a beautiful piece of art that's a mobile and you've got all these little highly balanced pieces that are coming off of this mobile. If you touch one part of that mobile, the whole thing moves. Right? Yeah. That's the systems approach because everybody's connected to everybody. There, there is no separation. We're all kind of in, on, on, on the same branch of the tree, we're, we're, we're all in gentle motion and we're all related to one another. So that systems approach, when I apply it to couples, I know that they're coming out of some systems and they're trying to maintain homeostasis. I want to play with the role I played here and the role you played there. I, we kind of want to come together and we kind of want to play the same role. And, 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 you know, if you let me play my role, I'll let you play your role. We won't learn nothing because this is what our brain wants, homeostasis, a steady state. But you don't really grow in a steady state. You grow when there are differences. You grow when you have to accommodate or you grow when there are challenges presented to you that you aren't accustomed to. It takes you out of your groove. 
most people don't like being taken out of their groove. So let me play my role. But you don't want to play your role because you can't learn anything from that. So, but if, 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 if the homeostasis is really strong and, and I don't change, I just change partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stay the same. This is kind of narcissism. I did my dissertation on narcissism. So narcissists don't change who they are. They just keep rotating in different people. So when somebody tells you I'm on marriage two, three, four, you should probably kind of look at them. Oh, number two and three. You know, I'll give everybody a starter marriage, but two and three and four. So. (laughs) So, Lynn, what is one technique to help people, like you said, um, when there's conflict or there's change, we need to grow from that. We need to grow. So what is one technique to help couples grow instead of the people regressing? You're probably going to need a third party to identify yes. that because it, <laughs> most people can't leave. I can't get out of my head. Mm. And if, if I can't get out of my head, I don't want to get out of my head because I may be wrong. So you have to bring in a third party to kind of shine a light on the unconscious parts, the unconscious moving parts of the relationship. The unconscious is, is driving 80% of your decisions. Okay. So it's, it's, it isn't until you shine a light on, I didn't realize, I hear couples say this all the time, I didn't know I was doing that. Oh my God, did, did I say that? You know, mm-hmm. Or the unconscious mechanisms of, I, I said something to my child that I would never, my parents said it to me, I said I would never say it to my child, and up comes out and poop. And you can't reach out fast enough to grab that <laughs> before it hits your child's ears and pull it back. So it, it, it's incumbent upon the couple to, to get that help to do this. Maybe if you're two therapists, maybe you could probably do that. But uh, outside of that, you know, that highly specialized knowledge, it's kind of hard to do it in and of your own volition. So, so I have another question from John. Oh, male question here. That's great. Uh, the question is, how can I be more objective in arguments? And less emotional hmm well that that's going to depend on the triggers what 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 triggers are you carrying because if if i'm your partner and and you you i'm 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 poking the bear i'm going to keep poking until (laughs) ding 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 you got it and so here we both go oh you want it you're gonna get it Mm -hmm. you want it here it comes so in, in order for you to, is, is, and I always encourage this. I say, you know, I, I need for one of y'all to stay on the ground while the other one goes up. And as, as long as you don't parallel escalate with them, if I stay on the ground, you won't go up, but for so far, it's, you, it's, instead of us both going here, you'll probably go up here. And once you see that what you're doing is not working, <laughs> you, you, come, back you come back down. You will come back down. Yes. You'll come back down. And then, you know, Hopefully you can have some dialogue about that. But the other person, if they are dogged in their determination, they will continue to poke you until you respond. And I, I, I got you. So the it's now, but, but that what you're talking about is that's an acquired taste. You, you have to be in order to be successful. You have to do that 27 times in a row. <clears throat> before the neuroplasticity kicks in in your brain and gives you a new way to think about it. If you go up to 26, 
and you go back, then you reset the whole thing. You got that. Why rehab is 28 days. Yeah. 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 28, 27 repetition. It's just like, because that's, that's how you form neuroplasticity. But it's tricky because if, if you don't keep promises to yourself, you'll stay in that pattern all the time. I, mm. I promise I'm going to lose weight. I promise I'm going to stop smoking. And you don't do anything about it. So when you present it to your brain, it's like, yeah, right. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back when you come back when you get serious. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to diet better. I'm not, I'm not going to eat any more junk food. Yeah, but there's that Haagen-Dazs ice cream there that you love. So <laughs> and, and you, you don't keep a promise to yourself. And so that it, it, you almost become hardwired to, you know, and it isn't until you're not going to break through that hard wiring except with repetition. It's kind of like breaking a rock with, with, with you know, a hammer. You've got to keep chiseling away at it and little bits and pieces of it fall off until you get the change you want. Keep at it. You have to keep so at it. So for those couples that are listening, you want to keep chiseling away. You want to keep at it. Don't give up. Press forward. If you could say anything, let's say that we're giving you this microphone, Len. Um, and you have one thing that you can say to any couple that's right there on the fence and they're just thinking about just leaving because they do not have vertical intimacy in their relationship. They can have sex, but that intimacy that they long for with the interaction among communication, and I'm giving you a microphone right now. What would you say to that person? Seek professional help. 90% 90% of divorced couples never saw anybody. 90%. Really? I never knew that. So that, that brings me to, um, I know you can find Dr. April Brown at draprilbrown.com. How can people get in touch with you? Sure. I'm redoing my website. It's relationshipcoach.pro. Okay. Relationshipcoach.pro. Thank you so much for your time uh, with us. I do have one final question from somebody in the audience here. They just got in under the window and here it is. How does vertical intimacy really truly differ from sexual intimacy? They never Hmm. gave their name. Okay. Vertical intimacy is how well we get along when we are upright our day-to-day actions, you know, cooking, cleaning, communicating, going to work, you know, you got several vertical intimacy relationships at work that you get along. How well do we get along on our feet? Sex is horizontal energy. And, and, and this, this is, this is easy. This is why you, say, you keep saying it's easy, but you know what? It's not always easy for some couples. Sure. What's, What's easy about it? It's what's easy about it is that anybody can do it, right? It's, it's mechanical. And, it's and just mechanical. <laughs> but if you cannot have vertical intimacy, sex is not easy horizontally at That's all. Right. That's right. And, and sex and it's not good. a relationship. Yeah, it's boring. Right. Yeah. Or you're right. But but when the when when the vertical intimacy is off, the sexual energy just exacerbates everything that's wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> we ain't getting along here we ain't gonna get along this way either so it just makes it 10 times worse they're intertwined you know i loved that mobile illustration that you gave i think i'm gonna have to do some emotional work here because uh 
<laughs> that mobile, um, they are interconnected and I have six siblings. Well, I mean, there's six of us. That's how we were raised. Now, a couple of them have since gone to heaven, but um, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work. So what, for homework, your, if you go ahead. What, what's your sibling position? Oh, I am third born. Okay. So I think I'm quite funny. Okay. And uh, I'm a twin. So, yeah, and the firstborn of the twin. And okay. my love language is time and touch. And I say, if you spend time touching me, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, the middle child is always perfect. So, yeah, right. <laughs> I never expected a mirror. I'm not sure what Dr. April Brown has experienced in this uh, podcast today but I just never expected to have a mirror held up to me today. And I want to thank you for your influence in my life today. I'm going to do some of that work. I'm going to go back and I'm going to take the love languages test that you can find um, at five love with, uh, I believe it is it Gary Chapman. Chapman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And I'm going to take that to see if they're still the same. They pretty much stay the same. Mm-hmm. Want to encourage. Uh, I know that the first, the birth orders, the firstborns that, Mary, the two firstborns, they're the highest divorcing uh, couple, the highest divorce rate. Secondborns are the most, two secondborns that stay together, they they rarely divorce. But it doesn't mean that they shouldn't have. (laughs) Well, I mean, but you you have to leave home. The the problem is I'm replicating what I came from. Mm. And and I I don't care what the sibling, even baby, baby, if what I try to focus on is getting baby baby to leave home because they're so used to being told what to do. Like y'all leave home mentally, physically, spiritually. And, and, and and then you face each other and it's like, you know, somebody take the lead and and you, okay, this week I want you to take the lead next week. I want you to take the lead. And and I want you to see what feels comfortable to you. Don't call your family, keep them out your business, you know, especially that one. (laughs) (laughs) keep your family out of business the ability to say no to family that one the ability Mm -hmm. to put yourself first right and Mm -hmm. let's see no put yourself first those those are really two important pillars of i I do a a, i'm creating a workshop on how do you how do you love yourself and, and you know, uh, the third one is boundaries. You know, you, you got to have boundaries. And so all three of those are in conjunction. You, you, you can't grow your relationship if your family's in your business. That's why scripture wow. says to leave and cleave. Leave and <laughs> yes. cleave. That's right. Well, That's- thank you so much, Len Sturdivant. We're so pleased to have you on the show sure. today. Um, yes, thank you, Len. It's been an honor to have you. I know we've kind of tried to work together before, but yes, you are a phenomenal relationship therapist. And yes, mm, I can see that. Well, we have upcoming shows <laughs> July 1st. We have Matthew Wenger. Sexual addiction is an intimacy problem. July 8th, Dr. John Meyer. Education and intimacy for non-traditional students. July 15th, the Homance Chronicles hosts Making Working Friendships Work. And July 29th, Zach Beach, learning to love from the heart. And don't forget to follow us on social media. And if you want to be a part of the Bringing Intimacy Back community, request to join us on Facebook 
and also Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. You get the idea. And also, we do have merch. We have merchandise. So go to the bringingintimacyback.com, bringingintimacyback.com website, and check us out there. It was a pleasure spending time with you again, Dr. April. Yes, thank you so much for carrying the show. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Have a great rest of your day, wherever you are.